Chapter Twenty Five of Sylvie and Bruno Concluded by Lewis Carroll. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Catherine Eastman. Chapter Twenty Five Life Out of Death. The sound of kicking or knocking grew louder every moment, and at last a door opened somewhere near us. Did you say come in, sir? my landlady asked timidly. "'Oh, yes, come in,' I replied. "'What's the matter?' "'A note has just been left for you, sir, by the baker's boy. He said he was passing the hall, and they asked him to come round and leave it here.' The note contained five words only. "'Please come at once. Muriel.' A sudden terror seemed to chill my very heart. "'The Earl is ill,' I said to myself. "'Dying, perhaps.' and I hastily prepared to leave the house. "'No bad news, sir, I hope,' my landlady said as she saw me out. "'The boy said as someone had arrived unexpectedly.' "'I hope that is it,' I said. But my feelings were those of fear rather than of hope, though on entering the house I was somewhat reassured by finding luggage lying in the entrance, bearing the initials E.L.' "'It's only Eric Linden, after all,' I thought, half relieved and half annoyed. "'Surely she need not have sent me for that!' Lady Muriel met me in the passage. Her eyes were gleaming, but it was the excitement of joy rather than of grief. "'I have a surprise for you,' she whispered. "'You mean that Eric Linden is here?' I said, vainly trying to disguise the involuntary bitterness of my tone. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. I could not help repeating to myself. How cruelly I was misjudging her. No, no, she eagerly replied. At least, Eric is here, but... Her voice quivered. But there is another... No need for further question. I eagerly followed her in. There on the bed he lay, pale and worn, the mere shadow of his old self, my old friend come back again from the dead. Arthur! I exclaimed. I could not say another word. Yes, back again, old boy, he murmured, smiling as I grasped his hand. He indicating Eric, who stood near. Saved my life. He brought me back. Next to God, we must thank him, Muriel, my wife. Silently I shook hands with Eric and with the Earl, and with one consent we moved into the shaded side of the room, where we could talk without disturbing the invalid, who lay silent and happy, holding his wife's hand in his and watching her with eyes that shone with a deep, steady light of love. "'He has been delirious till to-day,' Eric explained in a low voice. "'And even to-day he has been wandering more than once. But the sight of her has been new life to him.' And then he went on to tell us, in would-be careless tones, I knew how he hated any display of feeling— how he had insisted on going back to the plague-stricken town, to bring away a man whom the doctor had abandoned as dying, but who might, he fancied, recover if brought to the hospital, 
how he had seen nothing in the wasted features to remind him of arthur and only recognized him when he visited the hospital a month after how the doctor had forbidden him to announce the discovery saying that any shock to the overtaxed brain might kill him at once how he had stayed on at the hospital and nursed the sick man by night and day all this with the studied indifference of one who is relating the commonplace acts of some chance acquaintance and this was his rival i thought the man who had won from him the heart of the woman he loved the sun is setting said lady muriel rising and leading the way to the open window just look at the western sky what lovely crimson tints we shall have a glorious day to-morrow we had followed her across the room and were standing in a little group talking in low tones in the gathering gloom when we were startled by the voice of the sick man murmuring words too indistinct for the ear to catch he is wandering again lady muriel whispered and returned to the bedside we drew a little nearer also but no this had none of the incoherence of delirium what reward shall i give unto the lord the tremulous lips were saying for all the benefits that he hath done unto me i will receive the cup of salvation and call and call but here the poor weakened memory failed and the feeble voice died into silence his wife knelt down at the bedside raised one of his arms and drew it across her own fondly kissing the thin white hand that lay so listlessly in her loving grasp it seemed to me a good opportunity for stealing away without making her go through any form of parting so nodding to the earl and eric i silently left the room eric followed me down the stairs and out into the night is it life or death i asked him as soon as we were far enough from the house for me to speak in ordinary tones it is life he replied with eager emphasis the doctors are quite agreed as to that all he needs now they say is rest and perfect quiet and good nursing he's quite sure to get rest and quiet here and as for the nursing why i think it's just possible he tried hard to make his trembling voice assume a playful tone he may even get fairly well nursed in his present quarters i'm sure of it i said thank you so much for coming out to tell me and thinking he had now said all he had come to say i held out my hand to bid him good night he grasped it warmly and added turning his face away as he spoke by the way there is one other thing i wanted to say i thought you'd like to know that that i'm not not in the mind i was in when last we met it isn't that i can accept christian belief at least not yet but all this came about so strangely and she had prayed you know and i had prayed and and his voice broke and i could only just catch the concluding words there is a god that answers prayer i know it for certain now he wrung my hand once more and left me suddenly 
never before had i seen him so deeply moved so in the gathering twilight i paced slowly homewards in a tumultuous whirl of happy thoughts my heart seemed full and running over with joy and thankfulness all that i had so fervently longed for and prayed for seemed now to have come to pass and though i reproached myself bitterly for the unworthy suspicion i had for one moment harbored against the true-hearted lady muriel i took comfort in knowing it had been but a passing thought not bruno himself could have mounted the stairs with so buoyant a step as i felt my way up in the dark not pausing to strike a light in the entry as i knew i had left the lamp burning in my sitting-room but it was no common lamplight into which i now stepped with a strange new dreamy sensation of some subtle witchery that had come over the place light richer and more golden than any lamp could give flooded the room streaming in from a window i had somehow never noticed before and lighting up a group of three shadowy figures that grew momently more distinct a grave old man in royal robes leaning back in an easy chair and two children a girl and a boy standing at his side have you the jewel still my child the old man was saying oh yes sylvie exclaimed with unusual eagerness do you think i'd ever lose it or forget it she undid the ribbon round her neck as she spoke and laid the jewel in her father's hand bruno looked at it admiringly what a lovely brightness he said it's just like a little red star may i take it in my hand sylvie nodded and bruno carried it off to the window and held it aloft against the sky whose deepening blue was already spangled with stars soon he came running back in some excitement sylvie look here he cried i can see right through it when i hold it up to the sky and it isn't red a bit it's oh such a lovely blue and the words are all different do look at it sylvie was quite excited too by this time and the two children eagerly held up the jewel to the light and spelled out the legend between them all will love sylvie why this is the other jewel cried bruno don't you remember sylvie the one you didn't choose sylvie took it from him with a puzzled look and held it up now up to the light now down it's blue one way she said softly to herself and it's red the other way why i thought there were two of them father she suddenly exclaimed laying the jewel once more in his hand i do believe it was the same jewel all the time then you choosed it from itself bruno thoughtfully remarked father could sylvie choose a thing from itself yes my own one the old man replied to sylvie not noticing bruno's embarrassing question it was the same jewel but you chose quite right and he fastened the ribbon round her neck again sylvie will love all all will love sylvie bruno murmured raising himself on tiptoe to kiss the little red star and when you look at it 
it's red and fierce like the sun and when you look through it it's gentle and blue like the sky god's own sky sylvie said dreamily god's own sky the little fellow repeated as they stood lovingly clinging together and looking out into the night but oh sylvie what makes the sky such a darling blue sylvie's sweet lips shaped themselves to reply but her voice sounded faint and very far away the vision was fast slipping from my eager gaze but it seemed to me in that last bewildering moment that not sylvie but an angel was looking out through those trustful brown eyes and that not sylvie's but an angel's voice was whispering it is love end of chapter twenty five and end of sylvie and bruno concluded by lewis carroll thank you for listening